Hello, everyone. My name is Lisa Cook, and I'm ISACA's GRC practice principal. Welcome to another ISACA podcast. I'm here with Matt Carroll. He's a senior manager of technology governance, risk, and compliance at Adobe. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the ISACA podcast. Let's start by me asking you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, Lisa. Um, Thank you for the introduction. So as mentioned, my name is Matt Carroll. I am a senior manager at Adobe in the technology governance, risk, and compliance organization. Uh, My primary focus on the team today is running and managing the security risk management program for Adobe. Uh, Prior to Adobe, I started my career in the professional services arm, working for EY. Um, after, After that stint, I transitioned over into the technology industry where I've worked for Adobe, Apple, and Meta. Uh, I've, I've had a great career, and, and I think the, the really interesting thing uh, for the companies that I've worked with, um, all four of them, are they're each, you know, they're each very unique in terms of, of their strategy and the, the culture that they have. And I've been able to witness that and how it kind of directly translates into how they may view and manage risks within their organization. And so I think that's helped me to, to kind of understand um, or come to the realization that each company and organization can, can manage risks differently because they have different strategies and different business objectives and things that they're concerned about. And so, um, yeah, I'm very excited to, to talk about risk today and looking forward to get into it. Thanks for coming. We're going to be talking about Adobe's Common Controls Framework, or CCF. Uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, the CCF, and then and we'll talk a little bit more about risk and Adobe and things like that. Sure, absolutely. So um, Adobe's Common Controls Framework was established uh, a number of years back, um, early 2014, 2015, um, and its whole goal was uh, to simplify the compliance soup, if you will, right? There's a lot of regulatory uh, requirements and compliance requirements out there. And uh, it was difficult for companies to kind of go one by one and create a security culture uh, at the organization to comply with all of these various mandates and requirements. And so at Adobe, what we did is we, we boiled down those requirements and we simplified them in a way that um, our control owners and our people responsible for these controls at our company could understand them and make them actionable. And not only that, it allowed us to scale them across the enterprise, right? So at, a, at larger organizations and enterprises, you have a number of products or services or teams that have to comply with these. And when you look at the amount of controls, you can easily get up into the hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of controls that you have to start evaluating and assessing. And so having a, a common framework that you can apply across the enterprise to create kind of that baseline level of security um, can, can go a long way in, in helping save time and resources and just establishing a, a more secure environment for your organization. Great. Well, from my read of the CCF, Adobe CCF, I could see that um, the content is pulling from and leveraging uh, or building controls um, with the benefit of looking at different standards and different frameworks that are out there, right? Um, And each of these different uh, areas of content, they have their own definition of risk. Isaka as well. How would Adobe define risk today? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, risk has a lot of 
a lot of different definitions. If you go look at, at you know, the various organizations that, that help you define risk. And I, I think a very common one or that you see across the industry is that um, uh, risk is understanding what, what the likelihood of something to occur and then understanding what the impact of, of that risk occurring at your, your organization. So um, kind of risk equals impact times likelihood. That, that's a very common one that, that we see. Uh, now, it's not only understanding kind of like what, what risk is, but what does it mean for your organization or what does it mean for Adobe? Because Adobe's risk, um, the things that we care about or the things that, that um, we want to keep secure or maybe different than another organization's, right? And so what, what, what I want to talk through today and what, what may work for us may not be directly applicable for another industry or another company. And so I think um, as we kind of talk, Lisa, today, I want to make sure that, that people understand um, or may pick up on various little nuggets that we may throw out here. You, oh, that's a good idea, Matt. Like maybe we can see how we can introduce that into our organization. But uh, what we do at Adobe may not be directly applicable to, to others in, in their industries. Um, from a risk perspective, uh, Adobe has, has defined risk um, in, in one of two ways. So first, a risk is something where we have not defined or have a capability established to mitigate that risk today. So number one, a risk is something where we don't have a capability established at Adobe to mitigate that risk. The second um, way that we identify risk is where a capability may exist, however, um, that capability is not operating efficiently or effectively to mitigate that risk anymore. So let me give you kind of two examples. Uh, so for the first one where we don't have a capability to, to address a risk, this is really common for like emerging threats or emerging risks on the horizon. For, so for example, um, I think a historic one would be like ransomware. A lot of people maybe weren't prepared for a ransomware risk to occur at their company. Maybe they, they weren't looking at it. They didn't understand it. Um, how would we respond to, to a ransomware risk? Now, I think as we're seeing it more in the industry and more in the news, we're better prepared to handle the risk around ransomware. Whereas today, maybe AI is kind of that new ransomware. And how are we going to understand AI risk? And what does that mean for our company? Do we have controls in place to mitigate against AI risk? Like, I think that's a new frontier that, that a lot of people are, are going to try and start trying to solve, but may not be there yet. So that's like one risk category for, for kind of that, that first bucket of we don't have a, maybe we don't have a capability today to, to mitigate that risk. Whereas the second bucket around we do have a capability, but it may not be operating effectively. Um, I think we often see this in vulnerability management. We have a lot of vulnerabilities. We're trying, we take it on them. We're trying to get teams to action on them. And sometimes teams may not respond or they may not, they may not action on the ticket as quickly as we want to. And things end up going out of SLA, if you will. Like maybe we're tracking towards a 30-day remediation and, and they're falling behind. Well, where that happens, we may flag a risk to say, hey, we have a vulnerability process in place to mitigate this risk, but it's not operating as we believe it should be. Teams are falling behind and that's creating a, a, a new risk that we need to, to track and, and, and monitor. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it absolutely does. And I really like the use cases that you talked about, right? Talking about vulnerability management and also emerging technology. Uh, AI has been around, um, but with generative AI and other things, other applications uh, of this technology, uh, not only identifying the risks associated with it, uh, but also using it to help us to mitigate those risks is, is a very powerful um, you know, use case uh, that many of us in the industry are looking into. And uh, this Adobe's control framework would be very helpful uh, with that because the controls can be applied to the risk. But before we get to that, um, we still need to define the risk and, and understand why we're measuring the risk. So for example, with security risk, why is measuring security risks so important in this cybersecurity landscape? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and it's a hard one to, to answer, right? And I think the industry is really, um, has struggled in the past to how to measure security risk. Like, what does that really mean? And can you put a dollar amount towards a security risk? Or, um, you know, it, it is a difficult question to answer. And so that's why, um, you know, I think it's important that organizations uh, establish some sort of risk management program to, to identify security risk and to try to measure it in a way that makes sense for them. Um, some some uh, companies, maybe dollars does make sense and that's how they're gonna get actioned and, and you need to understand what dollar value this security risk is. Whereas for others, it may be more of a, um, you know, what's, what's the impact or what's my availability going to look like if this risk to, were to occur. Um, the other very difficult thing and the way that we tried to set out to solve this problem at Adobe is security risk changes every single day. What was safe and secure yesterday may not be safe and secure tomorrow. Uh, I think we saw that a lot with um, MFA re recently. So uh, we put a lot of uh, trust in multi-factor authentication, right? Um, making sure that when somebody tries to authenticate, we're sending a message to their cell phone or we're having them enter a six digit code. Well, there's been a number of recent incidents or breaches of MFA fatigue where malicious actors will just continually ping a cell phone or continually ping a desktop and somebody will get tired and they'll just click, yes, I accept. I don't know where this is coming from, but I'll accept it. And so we're seeing recent trends in the industry where MFA is now being breached more often. And so that's where something where this security landscape is changing, where once was something relied upon as, as safe and secure and not a risk is now actually becoming a risk. And how are we going to solve it uh, for the future? Okay, nice, nice. And then analyzing and measuring that risks and determining the prioritization becomes a very important element. So talk to us a little bit about an effective risk management program and the elements associated with this and how Adobe uh, CCF can help us. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think this is, again, uh, one of the key areas of risk management program is making sure that when you build it, it's something that can be actioned upon. Um, it's very easy for us to fall into the trap of just identifying a long laundry list of risks, creating a risk register with tens or hundreds of things that, that may, be, may be an issue. However, if you're not actioning on those um, to some degree or being able to prioritize them, um, what value are you adding back to the company, right? And so that's, at Adobe, we, we didn't want to fall into that trap. We didn't want just a long laundry list. We wanted to be able to identify what are the real risks and threats to our organization and our company today, and how do we prioritize those and action them? And so um, 
So the first, the first step is obviously being able to identify. How do we identify risk? Is that coming from um, external sources? What kind of internal sources can we, can we leverage? Um, are there things that are, we are in our current processes or capabilities that we're doing today where that can help us identify risk within the organization? And so that identification is obviously um, key. The second part is being able to analyze or triage these risks once they're, they're uh, identified. And that's where I think Adobe has kind of created a very unique um, unique answer or, or methodology in the risk lifecycle. Because at the end of the day, this risk management isn't rocket science. Like it's been laid out by many organizations. There's a lot of frameworks out there to follow, but it's how you massage that methodology to fit your organization and respond to risk that makes the difference. And so for us at Adobe, we wanted a very agile risk program. We understand that risk changes very quickly, especially in the security space. So how can we identify and review a risk rapidly to get that information in front of our leaders to make informed decisions today, right? We didn't want to sit on risk for months or maybe once a year to analyze them because our leaders needed the information today. And so um, let me pause there and, and I'm happy to go into that methodology a little bit deeper, but let me pause there for a minute. That sounds great, Matt. Uh, can you go into more detail on how you design the risk program at Adobe to analyze and prioritize the risks in your risk register? Sure, absolutely. So um, at Adobe, we've, we've developed uh, what I like to call an, an agile risk program. Like I mentioned, we wanted something that was flexible and quick to analyze risk, to get the information to our leaders as soon as possible um, so that they have what they need to make, to make informed decisions based on how to spend budget, how to spend resources, what we should be focused on solving um, for our customers uh, today. So what we've done, and, and one of the most difficult aspects of, of managing a risk program is how you evaluate risk and how, you, how do you compare security risks to each other. So for example, um, if you're given two, two risks, let's say one is ransomware and one is fixing or patching a critical vulnerability. Well, how do I compare those two apples to apples? Which one is more important? Um, maybe somebody who's had, uh, you know, somebody related to that data, the customer would say, well, my data is more important, so I care more about the ransomware risk. But the infrastructure team who's supporting the the product and the availability of the product may say, well, the vulnerability is more important because I want to make sure that my services are patched and it doesn't interrupt uptime, right? Both are important, but how do we compare them to each other? So at Adobe, what we did is we leveraged uh, an uh, openly licensed uh, tool called the binary risk assessment. And you can, you can go online and we can provide a link to, to that. And um, while we, we modified it to meet Adobe's needs, what it does essentially is it asks direct questions, yes or no questions, to understand the risk very quickly. Um, and it helps you understand what the likelihood of the risk is and what the impact of the risk could be. So for example, uh, we will ask directly, is this risk publicly exposed? If you answer yes, the likelihood of that risk being, um, being exploited upon by an actor is going to increase because it's public, right? It's going to decrease if it was only internal and you had to have company access or network access to, to 
get to that risk. So we'll ask a number of very direct um, questions that map directly to likelihood. And we'll ask another subset of questions that map directly to impact. And what that does for us is even right upon risk submission, the risk, the risk submitter is filling out those questions. As soon as they hit submit, we already from a risk management team have a way to calculate the likelihood and impact of the risk immediately to get our inherent risk rating, if that makes sense. Um, so it's a very quick and agile way to assess any risk with the same standard set of questions, regardless if it's ransomware or phishing or vulnerability or authentication, whatever the risk may be, the questions remain the same. And that way you get a very um, stable way of evaluating any sort of security risk that may be coming in through your program um, and giving you a, a nice baseline to compare one, one against each other. From there, we will evaluate what we like to call security posture. Um, a lot of other frameworks like to call it kind of the strength of controls or mitigating controls that, that are in place. We call it security posture at Adobe because it, while it does include our CCF controls and our strength of controls, it may go beyond that as well. What are the policies? What are the standards? What is the level of automation we have in place to protect us against this risk? Are we being proactive again, proactive with this risk or are we reactive? All of these kind of unique characteristics come together to give us a, a security posture of how we are doing to mitigate that risk today at Adobe. And that helps us identify then or determine our residual risk, which we can then stamp, stack rank against other residual risks in our risk register to help us understand what to prioritize and what to send up to our leadership team so that they can decide that's something we need to focus on. That makes sense. Let's, uh, let's start putting a plan together and getting that in place to mitigate the risk. Excellent. And so you're, those are some really good elements of designing that risk management program. Talk to us about how you measure the effectiveness or the success of your risk management program. Yeah, measuring the success is something that comes as you start to mature your risk program. A lot of times if you're just getting started, you're just trying to figure out how do I identify risk, right? Okay, what risk do I have in my organization? And then you're trying to figure out, okay, now I know the risk. How do I measure them and analyze them and make sure that I'm doing it in a way that my, my management team or my leadership team um, can understand and make decisions on? So that's kind of what we've talked up until this point. Now we're getting into the monitoring and tracking of risk and understanding, okay, we've taken an, a, an action against it to mitigate the risk. How do I calculate kind of my return on investment or how do I monitor that, that I'm actually reducing the risk within my organization? Um, I think for, for what we've done is uh, we've, we've established a number of um, key risk indicators or key control indicators at, at the company. And we can continually monitor those to ensure that the mitigations we've put in place are remaining stable. And or if something were to go unstable or to go above a risk threshold, we have a way to, to flag that back into our risk register or re-raise re that risk to say, hey, this risk was reported um, a while back. You, you did some mitigations, you've reduced the residual risk. However, based upon monitoring, the residual risk is actually increased again because of some sort of key risk indicator that's flagging it. And then we can go back and look, at, look into it to say, um, what failed, what's, what's changed? Uh, maybe the mitigations we put in place uh, are no longer effective and we need to come up with a new plan to mitigate this risk for the future. 
And so uh, I think I think monitoring and tracking your risk program and the risk reduction comes with maturity and it comes over time. It's not something you're not going to have all of this in place on day one. It's, it's through lessons learned. It's through time. And the more time and the more data that you have in your risk program, uh, the more you can mature it uh, for long term success. Excellent. And as you evolve and you get those those inputs, that information uh, through that monitoring, I would think that you'd be able to plan on how this program might evolve. So as the threat landscape continues to change, how do you keep your program up or evolve the program, uh, you know, to address those those changes? That's a great question, Lisa. So I think as you look to evolve your risk program, um, one thing that we did to kind of get ahead of that, to make sure that we are continually staying up to date, was building a very flexible risk management solution from, from the get-go. So in order to stay up to date with emerging threats and emerging risks and making sure that we are um, analyzing our risk register uh, not only once, but throughout the year as these risks change. Because um, what we've come to find out is that risks are, and, and specifically security risks, are not static in nature. It's not like we identify them once and, and the risk level stays the same forever. The risk level for a security risk changes all the time. It's, it's dependent on what's happening in the industry, what's, what's happening in the news, what's, what are the malicious actors trying to to breach or what's the new zero day vulnerability out there, right? Like things are changing in the landscape all the time. And so building a flexible risk program that monitors and can, can kind of scale up and down as the landscape changes is, is I think a way that you can get ahead of this. And now um, one thing I want to highlight is we do not use a standard kind of canned out of the box risk register, right? So you can find those online and they are a great starting place, right? If you have no idea where to start for a risk program, there are resources um, through ISACA and ISO and other, other um, organizations that can help you identify um, what is a risk register? How do I get this going? What, what, are, the, what are some example risks I, I can put in here? What we've done at Adobe is we want to know what are the risks to our organization, not just a canned, oh, um, a canned, asset management risk. But what does asset management risk mean to Adobe? Where are we vulnerable? What is our threat there? And so what we've done is we've, we've provided a way for anybody at the company and specifically risk, our, or sorry, our security personnel to submit risks to the risk program. And so we, we have a form, an internal web form, um, that's essentially a, a risk intake form, if you will, that somebody can come and submit a risk and fill out the risk description, what the threat is, um, any sort of supporting information that they may have on that risk, and they can submit that to us at any given time to my team, and then we will perform follow-up and validation and triage. And that way, our risk register is a living and breathing environment of what is happening within our organization. Thanks, Matt, for sharing with us, you know, some of the things that Adobe is doing uh, uh, that has really helped them with their risk management program and, and how to you've evolved that program to keep up with that uh, changing threat landscape. Are there any other pearls of wisdom you can cast our way, talk to our viewers about? What guidance would you share uh, about improving their own risk management programs? Sure. So I think first and foremost, you need to understand your organization. What is the mission? What is the objective? 
um, your risk program should be there to support your company's or your organization's vision and mission. Um, I think it's it's only going to be successful if you align your risk program with, with the overall business objectives and strategies. Um, that way you can speak to your leadership teams, to your management teams um, in the same language uh, in order to be able to uh, kind of reduce risk across the organization or, or help them understand why things are risky and, and what they need to do to reduce that risk. Um, secondly, with kind of on that same vein, uh, understand how your decision makers think. Um, do they think in dollar signs? Do you need to make sure that when you're analyzing risk, you are coming up with some sort of dollar value to help them understand the impact? Um, do they think in customers' uh, perspective? Well, how is this risk going to impact my customers? How is it going to impact their experience uh, with our product? Understanding the, the language that your decision makers use and then being able to translate the risk, whether it's the likelihood, the impact, whatever it may be, into that language will help you be um, a lot more successful in those conversations. Um, and then lastly, I think, you know, it can be daunting, right? Like if you, um, risk is, is very nebulous. It, it's, it's trying to, predict the future, essentially. Like it's trying to say, okay, well, there's, there is this risk. We're not sure if and when it's going to happen, but when it does, it could be costly. And so it can be daunting to even want to get started, but I think you, you, you need to just start small, just try. There's a lot of great resources put out there uh, within the security industry and within um, ISACA and, and other organizations that will help you begin to establish a risk program. Right. And so uh, what we did is we did start small. We, we built a, a, what we thought was, okay, this is going to be our methodology. Okay. So this is um, how we're going to identify risk. This is how we're going to analyze the risk. This is how we're going to measure it. This is how we'll report it. And this is how we're going to monitor it. So we kind of built that baseline methodology. And then we, we identified two or three risks to run through the cycle as kind of a proof of concept. And as we did that, we learned along the way what to tweak, oh, this worked, or, or this didn't work, or we need more time here to, to analyze the risk, or, oh, that didn't really go great on communicating it this way, let's try it a different way. And so running a few risks through your program end to end can really help you identify places to either make more efficient or to change or tweak. And I think it's okay to continually improve your process over time. You're not gonna get it completely right the very first time you build a risk program. You're going to learn, you're going to mature. It's just like any other security tool that we have within our tool belt. Um, if you think of like a vulnerability management tool that scans your environment, the, the, those teams are continually tweaking those tools to reduce noise, to make them more efficient, to hone in on the vulnerabilities that your organization cares about. It's the same, we should take the same approach to risk management, continually tune it, continually tweak it. It's ever changing, it's ever evolving just as the security landscape is. And so um, don't be afraid to get started, start small, start somewhere and just kind of learn as you go and, and continue to, to build upon it. Matt, that's great advice. Thank you so much. And uh, because of time, I think we're gonna make an end right there. I wanna thank you again for coming out and chatting with us here on ISACA's podcast uh, about the risk management and what you're doing at Adobe. I know it'll benefit uh, our listeners. I certainly enjoyed the conversation. No problem, Lisa. I appreciate your, um, your questions and for the time. Uh, I look forward to 
helping people in their, their risk journey. It is a journey. It's something that, that we're all trying to figure out today uh, in the cybersecurity space. And I think we're just getting started and we're going to see a lot of uh, improvements and maturity within the risk uh, domain uh, as we go forward in FY24 and uh, over the next few years. So thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners. That's all for now. Bye-bye.